we have a new partner to the podcast, Luminate Advertising. They're an award-winning advertising and marketing firm, and their brand resource director, Mary Tilger, is a personal friend of mine, and I encourage you to contact Luminate Advertising just to make your company shine if you need any graphic design, copywriting, printing, radio spots, trade show displays, digital marketing, promotional products. Everyone wants to represent their company just a professional manner, so call Mary. She has a great marketing ear. She can help you out. Her phone number is 303-460-8703. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the podcast, we have Joshua Spodick. How are you, Josh? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for making the time and being on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Well, let me tell everybody here a little bit about Josh. You're an adjunct professor at NYU, leadership coach. Um, You lead workshops for the Columbia Business School. You're a columnist for Inc. Uh, You're a founder of the Spodek Academy. So it's S-P-O-D-E-K academy.com. You guys need to check that out. We're going to have just a a great conversation today. You're the author of Leadership Step-by-Step, and you've also led seminars in leadership, entrepreneurship, creativity, and sales at Harvard, Princeton, MIT, um, INSEED in Singapore, uh, if I said that right, and New York Academy of Science. And so, you know what, Josh, you need to really learn on being a little more productive, I think. (laughs) I I can give you, you know, some pointers on that. Um, You've done a lot of work in private corporations. Uh, You hold five Ivy League degrees. You have a PhD in astrophysics. So you are a true rocket scientist, which I love talking to rocket scientists. Um, You have an MBA. You studied under a Nobel Prize winner. You helped build an X-ray observational satellite for NASA. And you co-founded and led as CEO or COO several ventures. You hold six patents. So, you know, everybody out there listening, we have so many business owners, entrepreneurs, and I got to tell you, the road Josh has been, the highs and the lows, being forced out of a company, starting companies, uh, it's been an incredible journey. And through this, Josh, you've just really been also not only a practitioner, but a student of good leadership and bad leadership. And, And I'd love for you to just share a little bit about kind of that whole journey that's gotten to you, you know, where you are and what you're doing today. Well, you know, uh, first, thank you for the introduction. I'm, uh, I'm a bit humbled by it. It's, uh, you know, the way we, to the listeners, we, uh, John and I were speaking for a little bit beforehand. We were talking about the importance of purpose and what you do. And a lot of what I did early on, I, I don't usually look at it this way, but a lot of what I did early on, I would, by today's way of looking at it, I would describe as self-indulgent. But I, I really enjoyed learning, like getting the PhD I guess at the time I wouldn't have felt it this way, but I felt like it was a lot of learning stuff for myself. Like I really wanted to learn more about the universe and I really liked that. And at the time I would look at the business world and think business is all about making money and profit. And once I made the switch, the, when I first started my first business, this is in the mid nineties. So you started with a pure I, academic focus into your career. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I loved Einstein, Galileo, and Newton, and I was going to be the next one in line. That's what I anticipated. And ultimately, the life of a researcher wasn't really a life that it 
it, I didn't really like it that much, even though I, I still love studying nature. And I, a friend and I, a friend of mine and I talked about starting a business and I had this idea for what ultimately became my first business. And I started researching into how to write a patent, how to write a business plan and how to get funding and things like that. And that changed things way more than I ever expected because I thought oh, I'm going to go into business. It's going to be about making money and okay, I'll make money, but I'm not really going to like it. And then I started learning about, you know, if I, the only way I could make money was I had to have something that the other person valued more than the money that they would pay me for. And I realized, well, I can't see that as anything other than making the world a better place is if I'm making something that they value more. So then was, was that a whole new kind of concept for you at the time when you kind of had this awareness? Totally new. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, my father was an academic. Uh, I, I've actually bonded a lot more with my mother. My parents are divorced because I didn't realize how entrepreneurial she'd been her whole life. And we started connecting on that. And ultimately, you know, when I read this book, Getting to Yes is on negotiation. Mm -hmm. It's a lot about understanding the other person. And that was the first time when I started seeing the human side of business and that began a change when I, when I, all right, so to tell the story, I, I graduated college, I had a major in physics. I, I started graduate school to get a PhD. I finished, I finished the PhD uh, and decided to leave to become an entrepreneur. When I became an entrepreneur, I just loved what I was doing. And I loved like creating a team and forming a team, um, hiring people and having people uh, believe in me and invest in me. And to feel the responsibility and accountability of, of wanting to return that investment and mm -hmm. to meet customers and to learn and understand what they were doing in order to help them meet their needs. And what I thought was a, an insensitive part of the world actually has become for me an access point to understanding people much better and to be more open myself to share who I am. So when you say an insensitive part of the world, mm -hmm. what did you mean by that? You know, if... If I, if I look at my views, my mental models for business before I started doing business, the dominant thing, this is in the mid-90s, I used to think of like the Exxon Valdez. Yeah. I would think of a, of a giant mega company that was like, well, we'll save money. And if every now and then an oil tanker runs ashore in Alaska, well, that's the price of doing business. And I realized that that does happen, but that's not how I think of business today at all. I mean, if my practice of so after, after my first company got started, um, I got squeezed out by the investors in, in post 9-11 and the recession. I just didn't have the skills to handle the, such a difficult time. And I went back to business school and taking classes in, in leadership and, and negotiation and consulting is where I started learning about an outward perspective. I mean, I would call it the soft skills of business. And as I studied it more and more after school, I, and I started coaching and teaching and leading seminars. Ultimately, all of that to me comes down to empathy and compassion and responsibility and initiative and creating meaning and value and purpose that I, you know, and it's, it's funny to me now to look at it. I didn't think of this, the business world of being a place where I'd learn about these things, but, it, but that's where it's come from. Well, yeah, and you said something very important, and I really appreciate your authenticity, Josh, is you said you weren't equipped and they pushed you out. And there's, you know, there's so many, you know, people in business, including myself, we've had these, um, what could be looked at as failures and maybe almost be 
um, a reference point that we use to say, okay, well, I tried, I failed. Do I really want to, you know, start a company again or be be part of something that's really going to challenge me and push the boundaries? And you know, if you kind of bring yourself back to that point, you know, maybe what did you notice? What did you learn that really uh, moved you forward in a very positive way? Well. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, well, let's go back to this painful experience in your life, Josh. Yeah, let's just let's it, pull, let's we're just gonna rip that scab off because I'll guarantee <laughs> you, there's a lot of people listening that can really relate to what you just shared, though, Josh. So there were a couple of things that hit me most. One is that when things were going well, everyone was on the same team, and when things weren't going well, when there were a few assets left and everyone wanted their piece of you know the patents or the cash that was left and things like that. Suddenly, everyone was after, like, all these people I thought were supporting me were not supporting me. And it was, there were, except for a couple people, there was a, a former, well, a business school professor uh, who was on our board and was a tremendous source of understanding and keeping things together. And he'd always told us, he'd always been an advisor to me, and he was always saying, like, the relationships, that's what's really important here. More than anything else, it's the relationships. And when times got tough, then I really understood what he meant by that. And I would say even more than that was I, I would meet people every now and then who I would start to tell them about my situation and they would know it better than I did. And at first I thought, oh, they're really knowledgeable. And then I realized they'd been through it too. And the experience that they had that they could tell me about was so much more valuable than anything I read, anything that you know someone who didn't go through such an experience could tell me about. And that was that was so, it, it ended up being for me so supportive. And then finally, ab above all these things was this is really when my relationship with my mother got closer because of all the people I knew, she was the one that really under, she understood the situation. She'd been through difficult times and I knew that she was always on my side. Mm -hmm. Everyone else, I could never really be sure. And I, I had I, that that really brought me a lot closer. I guess there's, I'm going to brag a little bit about my mom too, is that uh, I've, oh, I've run ahead. a few marathons. Yeah, we all, we all love I've run moms. a few marathons and she, the, she only wanted to see me run one of them uh, and when I crossed the finish line, she was there and she gave me a big hug and she said, all right, I'm going to do it too and I was like, do what? I don't know what you're talking about. So she decided to run a marathon and at, I think she was 66 years old, never having run more than 5K at once, she ran her first marathon and, uh, and finished the New York City Marathon and uh, that training also, that's all, you know, running marathons is not easy either. And that brought us close to it. Well, you know, that's also, it, it goes to a mindset that your mom has that you must have picked up on, you know, is about really, you know, setting a meaningful goal, a goal that's in line with, you know, your, you know, what you want to bring into this world, your vision, your purpose, your mission, and then, you know, not making excuses and kind of doing what it takes to move toward that, developing relationship skills, learning to be vulnerable, um, you know, being able to be kind of self-aware enough to look at what worked, what didn't work, where, you know, where you had areas, you know, to improve, but also what are some of those things that I, that, you know, what, even though it didn't work out, you know, what we always do with our, our kids and with our clients is no matter what the situation is, uh, we, we have a journal and we have them say, okay, what, you know, first of all, what went well? And then what are the 10 things you learned from that? And if you can always keep that mindset into the, the growth area, in, instead of looking at, um, 
you know, almost a self-fulfilling prophecy or why this didn't work, things like that. Then, you know, then we can actually take what happened in this season, even though maybe it was a very difficult season, and use it to prepare ourselves for something even bigger and better and and uh, more exciting that that's coming up next. It sounds like that's what you've done. Yeah, you're running down the list of things that for a lot of my life were not that important. And then I've realized for me and especially my clients are very important of, of things like growth and uh, being able to learn from failure and recognize the learning experience within it. Self-awareness, relationships. You didn't say the word reflection, but to reflect on, on these yeah. experiences. And yeah, it's I, there was a big shift for me when I started after business school, when I started coaching and leading seminars. At the time, I was, you know, I was thinking, this is like the first maybe five years after business school. So like from about 10 years ago to about five years ago, a lot of what I did was about building, creating a better lecture, creating a better set of readings. And at about five years ago is when I started realizing that lectures, case studies, reading, watching TED Talks, that can only get you so far. Ultimately, you really have to go through experiences. And, uh, you know, one of my mentors is Marshall Goldsmith, and he, he's very big on giving people exercises to work with. And I started looking at what made a, a, an effective exercise work and how e- experiencing growth and change, even failure, led to so much more learning in, than, than just reading about it. And that really changed my practice of going from being analytical about these things or thinking if I give people a bunch of theory, then they'll learn it to instead of trying to give people the answers to give them an experience by which they would discover the answers for themselves. And that became much more meaningful. Oh, yeah, well, I, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, that's, that is such a uh, more, it's more powerful. Um, I'm, you can tell I was an engineering major, not an English major. Um, <laughs> you know, I would love for you to share if you have something maybe front of mind about, you know, some of these experiences, maybe you could share that everybody listening um, could almost maybe even take and just start walking through for themselves and say, okay, this is something that maybe that really helped you move forward. Because I know one of the things you wrote, you know, you shared with me is that, you know, for, it was a long time, you know, being so accomplished, Josh, but you struggled with insecurity. And I think there's so many people that, that do struggle with that. I've struggled with it. Um, but anyway, I'd love to just maybe open as an open question to you in that, in that area. Well, you know, insecurity and vulnerability are very close to each other and it's one of the big things that you protect. And, you know, it was a big recognition for me that people, you know, we've all been made fun of. We'd all, I don't know about you. When I was a kid, I was made fun of on the, you know, in school and, when you grow up, you get hurt. You, you know, someone at some point has, you felt used or you felt manipulated. And we learn to protect these things. And we learn to, you know, if there's something that you make fun of me when I was a kid and it was something that I didn't care about, I'd get rid of that thing. But some things are very important to us and we can't get rid of them. There, there are passions, there are, there, I don't know if we're born with these things or somehow, you know, we all have things that we really care about, our, our deepest values. And, one of the big things I've learned about leading others is that if you try to give someone a motivation that's different or you try to layer on top of someone a motivation that isn't theirs, 
mm-hmm. you imply that mm-hmm. the motivation that is theirs isn't as important. And there's this, this is weird twist that a lot of people, we protect what we're vulnerable about, so we don't share our emotions. And so if I don't know your emotion, I'm trying to lead you, and I try to give you another emotion, like say you and I are doing a project together. Yeah. And we both agree, uh, say we want to, I don't know, we want to work with some customer to make a really big sale, and we're working together to make that happen. And maybe you're doing it because you really believe in what that company does, and you want to help them out. And maybe I'm doing it because I think we're going to really grow our company and, uh, you know, we want to get a big return on investment for investors. And I I feel really, really really responsible for them. Most of the time we'll agree, but every now and then maybe there's going to be some conflict between you want to help them and it might not help our investors and I want to help our investors and it might not help them. And we're going to differ. And if I tell you we should do this because of our investors and that's not your value, you're going to feel like I've put down your value. And you might say something to me that might feel like you're putting down my values. If you want to lead someone and you don't know what's motivating them, you're going to constantly step on their toes like that. And it's going to make them feel demotivated. And so I realized it's, it's very important to make the other person feel comfortable sharing their vulnerabilities, to behave and communicate in ways that make them feel comfortable sharing what motivates them to get beyond this protection that we've all learned to put up around ourselves. And you know, the only way to do that is you have to examine your own insecurities and you have to be comfortable sharing them. And you have to cultivate relationships with people where they are supportive and they will help you, which means you have to be supportive and you'll help other people. Now, it's kind of a counterintuitive approach. You know, there's a lot of folks that, you know, they ask me sometimes, you know, what's that line between being too vulnerable, you know, with people and, and I know my answer. Uh, I don't think you can be, but there's a lot of people that really, they want to be that leader. They want to show strength. They want to be decisive. Um, but being vulnerable, as you talk about, is actually a key to doing that very well. And I, w- I would love for you to share, you know, when you work with, you know, you work with some amazing leaders in, in what you do and who you touch, how do you help them to reconcile that and then, you know, show up differently where they really are being vulnerable and doing that well? Because that is a real skill people need to, to work on. Well, I think it, with any complicated skill, whether it's playing a musical instrument or playing a sport or, uh, you know, they always be, I think the path to excellence in complex things is to start with basics and simple things mm-hmm. and to work your way up. So if you want to play Carnegie Hall, you start by playing scales. If you want to uh, dance on Broadway, you start with footwork. And my whole practice is based on develop, starting with simple, basic skills that anyone can learn. And then after you master the simple ones, then you can move on to more complex, more expressive, more effective ones. So to make somebody feel vulnerable, I'm sorry, to make somebody feel comfortable expressing and sharing a vulnerability, by that, by, to reach that point, I think you have to go through a lot of stages of simpler task of being able to express yourself effectively to make other people feel comfortable sharing less complex things. And so like my, the book that, that is coming out in February, leadership step-by-step, yeah, it starts off with writing down a personal essay. That's very simple. Almost everyone, I mean, everyone I've worked with has done that before. Uh, to do it again is not so, so difficult, but it kind of focuses you. The next exercise is to write down your inner monologue. So it's to, pay attention to that voice inside your head 
and write it out. And almost everyone that I've worked with has never done that before. And when they do it, they start realizing that there's all this stuff that they think they think all the time, but they never pay attention to. And virtually everyone at the end of the week of writing down their inner monologue, they're like, I can't believe how judgmental I am. I can't believe how negative I am, how much I put everyone down around me. And yeah, how much, first, you doubt, how much you either doubt yourself or you, you worry or have anxiety about things that really shouldn't even be, you know, occupying your mind. Yeah, they think it shouldn't be. And then there's this big realization when I ask, like when I'm in a classroom situation or with them one-on-one coaching, I ask people, how, how many people do you think feel like they're too judgmental? How many people think that they are too negative in their thoughts? And they think, oh, I don't know, a lot? And I'm like, every single one. And this is a big moment of recognition. Yeah, that's so true. We all think we're unique, don't we, Josh? Yeah, I, everyone thinks, so, like, if people could read my thoughts, they'd think I'm horrible. And in fact, they'd probably think, oh my God, you're a lot like me. And so this creates, I call this exercise, in my, in my blog post on this exercise, I call it the most effective self-awareness exercise that I know because it raises your self-awareness so much. It also makes you vulnerable. You realize, oh, I... Like I, these things about myself, I try to suppress, but self, suppression is the opposite of self-awareness. And then I build on that exercise and I build on that exercise. So like a later exercise is to voice that self-awareness, uh, that inner monologue. And I, I have a lot of exercises in between because that's a pretty hard one for a lot of people. It's like to speak, to speak that inner monologue without trying to filter it. At the beginning of the week, everyone, everyone's like, oh my God, I'm going to tell my best friend that I hate him or hate her. Or I'm going to like embarrass myself with saying something stupid. And without fail, everyone who comes back after do that, doing that exercise comes back and says, I had no idea I could speak so openly and so honestly, and I had no idea how much others would speak openly and honestly in return. And what they love the experience. And what do you think that dynamic is? That when we actually approach, what I, I found the same thing, when you approach somebody vulnerably, say, I want to share this with you, it's going to help me grow, and I'd like you to be part of that. Um, I think people are, I think most of us are just hardwired to respond to that in a positive way because I think at our core, we all like helping other people. And when people are coming to us with true motives, with honesty, you know, kind of with, you know, living in their integrity, it draws people into wanting to be part of, you know, where we're going. And I, and I think that if people had that awareness, um, and I'm so glad that you talked about this. And I would just encourage everybody out there to take some of the things Josh is talking about and share this with people. Because when you put your words out there and you verbalize them where somebody else can hear them, it is it, something powerful and meaningful happens. Because now all of a sudden, like you were talking about, Josh, right? You Now you have this awareness of it. And, and, and once you have that awareness of it, now you can start working on changing how I, you know, there's always going to be some kind of triggering event. When that happens, we're going to have a thought. It's, 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 it's all of our history, um, interactions we've had in the past, how we were raised. That thought is going to lead to a feeling, and that feeling is going to inform the actions that we take. And if we want to get different results, we want to have different outcomes, we have, to, we have to change that whole process. And it all starts with really having that awareness of what we think, how we think, and then changing it. So, those triggering events that are going to happen in our life, they're not going to change, but we can react differently. We can have a different thought, choose to have a different thought, different feeling, different action. Now we start having different outcomes and we start developing 
different habits. Um, how, how, do you, how do you see that playing out with the people that you work with as they kind of embrace this, Josh? Yeah, it's very, I mean, I, I want to add to that process that it, it is very difficult. It's, I mean, after you've done it a few times, if you've changed a perspective a few times, it becomes easier. But at the beginning, it's, it's, it can be really hard to empathize with someone that you disagree with. And, but you want to learn, if they can handle something better than you can, you want to learn from them. Sometimes you have to adopt, adopt a perspective that's uncomfortable. Or sometimes you try something out, a new way of looking at things, and it doesn't work out for you, and it hurts. And on the other hand, there's no other way to do it. And yeah, I think also this is a process of, of going through it yourself, of being able to be, to be open to change yourself. If you don't do that, it's, people can read that you're not open to change. And if you lead them, you're asking them to change, and they're going to resist that change if, you, if they sense that, you don't, that you're not willing to change yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, you're talking about some really important things. And, you know, the, your book that's coming out, Leadership Step-by-Step, you know, the leadership courses that you teach. We were talking a little bit before we started, everybody, that, you know, there's a real leadership crisis in the world right now. And there's so many books on leadership and there's so many coaches and seminars. Um, but there's a reason that we still continue to experience this leadership crisis across generations, in companies, in government, in ministry, in families, everywhere. And your approach, you and I have um, a lot of things that we really are in alignment on, Josh. And you, But your approach is very different from what is really kind of, I guess, the, the common knowledge that's out there in the marketplace. And I'd love for you to share a little bit of, about what that difference is. Oh, you're going to get me started. <laughs> this, yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I come from a very academic background, and uh, I learned through lecture and case study and reading papers and writing papers and having classroom debates and all valuable ways to learn certain things. But I think, you know, maybe more, maybe they're very effective at very academic subjects like history or philosophy. I, I, I'm not a historian or philosophy, so I can't say for sure. But leadership is active, it's experiential, it's emotional, it's expressive, it's performance-based, it's social. And if you just learn through academic techniques, they can be very intellectually challenging. But leadership is rarely, I mean, intellect helps, it doesn't hurt, but it's not a particularly intellectual activity. It's, I mean, look at the great leaders around today, a lot of them a lot of them dropped out of school or never even went to school and they can be very, very effective. And they, st the thing, it, it, it took me a long time to figure this out. It took me like five years after business school to get to this point of realizing that just learning a bunch of facts and knowledge is not necessarily going to make you a great leader. And what, what's much more important is to learn social and emotional skills and social and emotional skills don't come from, passive reading and passive writing they come from you have to face social and emotional challenges and you have to learn to overcome them and you know one of the big things that i try to do is give people these experiences where they take on social and emotional challenges and they you know there's a, a lot of people learn to lead very well from other fields that are kind of like leadership but aren't leadership like acting for example there's a lot of leaders who come from acting that's and, right. and you took a lot of acting classes. As a result of this, yeah. I, I started, I was, 
you know, I talk a lot about how I would watch Inside the Actors Studio. Mm-hmm. I just watched it because I found it entertaining. I liked watching these actors. And I kept seeing how, how many of them dropped out of high school, dropped out of college, never had a formal, I thought they had a, never had a formal training until I started researching it more and I realized that they did have a formal training. It just wasn't a traditional academic training. They went through what we now call method acting. It was, it's a series of exercises that give you these challenges that give them skills that are tremendously important for leadership. I'm not saying they, you know, they don't know how to read a balance sheet, I, I don't think. I mean, some of them maybe do, but I don't mean that. I mean, like the social and emotional skills of being able to read other people's emotions, to be able to conjure up emotions in themselves, to express themselves genuinely, and authentically, in order to get others to do the same. And while we leaders in the business world or in politics or in sports or in the military, we're, we're not trying to get people to laugh and cry like actors generally do. We're trying to get them to feel motivated and inspired and uh, dedicated and disciplined. But that's just different emotions. It's the same type of skill to conjure up the emotions. So an actor might bring out one palette of emotions. We bring out another palette of emotions. But the skills to bring them out are similar. And so I started studying. How do they learn? What is, what is the technique of, of method acting? And so I took classes. And I realized that they had a very structured way of doing things. And the more I looked, the more I saw that that structure of start with a simple exercise, practice and practice and rehearse and rehearse until you mastered it. And once you mastered it, you can move on to the next level. So it might be scales if you're learning piano, and then you move up to simpler, simple pieces, and you move up to more complex pieces. Or if you're learning a sport, you know, you start with um, simple cardio ex- ex- exercises, maybe move up to some balance exercises, and then you start learning how to pass the ball or to throw the thing or whatever. And only after you mastered one level can you start with the next one. But each level gives you a new access point into, like if I'm learning to play guitar, first I have to learn about the instrument. Yeah. Only when I know about the instrument can I start putting my fingers on the frets and start building calluses. And only when I can stop le- wondering, are my fingers in the right place with my left hand? Am I strumming right with my right hand? Only when I can, I've done that so many times that I can take it for granted. Can I move on to the next thing and start playing, looking at the music and saying, what, what are these notes here? And only after playing the notes enough and really knowing the piece backward and forward so well that I can just play it without thinking about it, can I then start thinking about what's actually, what's the composer expressing here? It's not just notes, there's emotion here. And only when I get, my, get the emotions and the music down from playing it and playing it and playing it so many times, can I get to my personal feelings and how do I want to express myself separately from what the composer wrote because i can write a computer program that'll play the notes perfectly that's not music that's not art and only after you've learned how to express yourself through the music so that you when i'm this mood i can express myself this way and when i'm in that mood i I can express myself that way can you start noticing the audience and listening to the audience and noticing that one crowd is different than another crowd and the same progression happens in leadership i've well Frankly, I wrote my book and I created my courses because I did not see that progress, that, that progression in the, out there. I saw all these books on how to, principles of leadership and laws of leadership and habits of highly effective people, but not how to make yourself a level five leader or how to develop these habits. I mean, you can start doing the habits, but that's not necessarily meaningful. It may be just habitual. And... 
so I started creating these these exercises. Now, one-on-one coaches that I see it a lot. Then, but a lot of people there's not nearly as many coaches as there are people who could put into practice what they learn from it. And for a lot of people, they can't yet afford it. And but when I so I created this set of exercises. It took years and years of developing it, and then even after that, it took years and years of testing through coaching clients and then through my students. In your and, exercises, if I understand this, because this is where you and I are in in just wonderful alignment is, you know, everybody talks about the, the why everybody knows why leadership is important. Right. And we all know the phrases, right. You know, riding tide lifts all boat, you know, the, um, everything rises and falls on leadership. And, and we know what a great leader looks like. You mentioned that before. The thing that's really missing right now is how, right. I, I can read a book on cooking or I can watch food network and, you know, I could watch food network all year, but at the end of watching Food Network for a year, could I could I create a gourmet meal? Do I know how to cook to you know have an experience for my family? And I and I I don't think I could do that. And that's what you're talking about is putting together these exercises to teach people how to develop those skills that build on each other. So you're showing up differently. You're equipped. You're empowered to start. First of all, start leading yourself, having that self awareness, that self regulation. Um, and I'm sure you're aware of this. There was a great, and this is why this is so important. Stanford University did this big study. I think they interviewed almost 2,000. It was just over 1,900 very, very successful entrepreneurs, business owners, all kinds of leadership styles, all across the board from, uh, I mean, you name it, introvert, extrovert. Um, and the one thing that they had in common, and there was one thing, and it was that self-awareness. But then you have to, so not only do you have to be self-aware, but then you have to learn what do you do with that? So, you know, the, the everybody here listening, Josh, what, um, and I know that there's a lot of this that's in, in your book coming out, you know, what are those first couple things that people can do to start learning how to lead? You know, there's a major mental shift in perspective of, if you look at people who have skills that you wish you had, yeah. and you say, well, they were probably just born that way, you've just completely taken away your ability to develop those skills. If instead you say, they're human just like me, and if they develop those skills, I can too, then you start saying, well, what experiences did they go through to develop those? And that's actually a shift to uh, not to say, what books did they read or what videos did they watch, but what experiences did they have? And you have to be willing to, you know, you're going to, sometimes it's going to work out and sometimes you're going to fail, but the failures are where you learn from. Well, yeah. Well, that great first step have- that I'm hearing is it's really, a, it's about a mindset shift, right? From almost this fixed mindset to this growth mindset. Because if you feel that I have it or I don't, then you'll never have it. Yeah, I mean, it's a mindset shift that has to accompany, that has to be accompanied by a behavioral shift. You have Mm. to try these things. Yes, agree. If you don't try them, it's not going to happen. And sometimes the behavior creates the shift in belief, and sometimes the belief creates a shift in behavior. That's why I try to put them both together. Mm. And... You know, my, my book is, I spent the years putting together a progression of exercises that fit well together so that it gives you direction so you don't have to guess. Like, what sh- like you can do it the, the way I did. It's just going to take you 10 years, and you might want to use those 10 years, you know, making more progress, of doing, doing what your passion is, not getting the basics down. Well, my it, book will. You know, you bring up such a great point. I always tell my kids I'm ambitiously lazy. I always like to try to find, you know, the best way to do something to get a result quicker. Because imagine, you know, working with you, 
going through your book, going through these exercises, if I could be in a place even in a year that might normally even take me three years. But then think about that. At the end of that year, if I was in a place where I'd normally be in three years, where are you going to be at the end of that second year? Because now all of a sudden you start having exponential growth, both in your, you know, as a person, as a leader, as a, you know, father, mother, but also what you're doing out in this world. So 10 years from now, you're going to be in a place that is you won't even recognize from where you thought you might be. And that is why it is, you know, there's a lot of people that are not, they don't put in this work that you and I are talking about to really become that leader. That's really why I think only three to 5% of the population are truly entrepreneurs. They're really, they're willing to put in that work. And that's what I would challenge people to do. What you're hearing from Josh is take the time, go through these exercises, write these letters to yourself, go through this, share with somebody, you know, be vulnerable because it, unless you do that, you're just going to be on this this linear path that's not going to get you to this place that you're that you've been dreaming about. You lay in bed at night, you're looking at the ceiling, going, "What if?" Well, that "what if" is um, I can't say every dream is possible, uh, but you can definitely be moving in the direction of something really significant if you put in that work today. Wouldn't you agree, Josh? Yeah, and it's not just. Putting in the work is is uh, it's essential, and there's a difference between effective work and and just like trying with ineffectively. I, I think of like oh, in, there are a lot point. of self. So what would that look like for people? Yeah, like I think of there's there's like self-taught musicians, and there's musicians who learn with teachers. And yeah, you know, I'm not a musical historian, but I, I think Louis Armstrong, when he was a little kid, was self-taught, and at one point he got good enough that he found some patrons or some people took him on to be patrons. And I could be wrong, but I think that one of the first things they did was start to give him lessons. So even people who are really good, they still benefit from having, I mean, you know, I, I tried to learn this stuff too. And when I started getting, when I started getting coaching, it like so much faster, it's so much more effective. And I used to have a lot of pride thinking that, the more I figured out on my own, the more valuable it was, and the less I figured out with others, then the better it was for me. But that hasn't that 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 mindset wasn't it didn't serve me well. It was learning from. I mean, I guess I, if I had gotten a bad coach, maybe it would be another story. But you know, you <laughs> find a coach who's been through some challenges and learned from their experiences, and has reflected themselves, then it's it's so much more effective, and it's the difference between you know, running on solid ground versus running on sand. Well, you know, as we, you know, there, and oh, go ahead. Well, there are certain things in life that are, are I want to be mine. You know, the, yeah. the certain dreams and, and passions that are mine, but there are certain things that are basics that I don't want. I don't, that's not where it, that's not where I need to make my mark. It's not like learning the fundamentals is not where I want to make my mark. I want to use the fundamentals to, you know, for me, it's, it's helping people to, learn how to create meaning, value, importance, and purpose in their lives and the lives of people around them. And for me to learn the basics of, of leadership and coaching and teaching, that's true for everyone who wants to teach and coach in anything. But to, so I want to learn that. I want to learn the basics as fast as I can. Then I can devote myself to my passion. You know, and as we wrap up here, Josh, what, you know, as people listening all over the world, a lot of, a lot of people that are you know, they have some big dreams and goals. They'd really like to step up into a level of leadership that's 
you know, more effective, more fulfilling, has some more balance in their life um, than what they have right now. What final thoughts would you have for them? It's, I mean, there's, there's so much, but I mean, I think based on what we were saying is that a lot of people always tell, people are always saying like, you can do whatever you want to do. You can always, if you set your mind to it, you can do it. And I always felt like it, it rang hollow for me in a lot of ways, but to me, the way I'd like to put it, it rang hollow because like as a physicist, I was like, well, you can't go faster than the speed of light. And that kind of, it always made me think twice about people saying stuff that was overly positive. To me, the way I think of it is that anything that anyone else has done, they're human and you're human too, and you can do what they've done. Now, it may be, I don't know, Richard Branson has become a billionaire starting various companies and some of that was being in the right place at the right time and certain things. But for, for, the, for you to create for yourself the meaningful, the meaning of the outcome, it's not, that doesn't depend on the outside world. That depends on how much you've, like what you've achieved for yourself. And you may be able, you can create the meaning and the purpose of the outcome of anyone else if anyone else had, was able to do it, then you are able to do it too. I don't know. It was, I'm not the most eloquent person when I'm off the cuff like that. Well, you know, though, I think that is so encouraging because, uh, I mean, I mean, look at myself, right? I, uh, I had a terrible accident, was in the hospital for almost two full years. Can, I only can work part-time and had very limited resources. And I got to tell you, I was really – I had this – like you talked about, I had this vision, this dream, this meaning, this purpose that I wanted to bring out in this world, this kind of company that I was thinking about building. And I actually found, I got introduced to a friend of mine, Chris McCluskey is his name. He's become just an incredible friend, Josh. And he had Lyme disease and it attacked his brain and he's cognitively a hundred percent, but he has serious limitations on his time. He, he can work less than me and um, has, you know, chronic pain but he built one of the largest coaching schools, the Professional Christian Coaching Institute, impacting thousands of lives, making a president, you know, presence around the world. And I'm like, and he, you know, he said, listen, I just took each day, I took a small step forward. But, you know, here's what I think is when you get some clarity on who you are, that self-awareness, and you get some clarity about this, you don't have to have it completely dialed in, but this direction you want to go in, this impact you want to have. Um, I really feel it's almost kind of like the world, the universe just connects you with other like-minded people. And I, you know, I've met so many other people that, um, it like gave me the permission that I was almost looking for. I didn't need, but when I found other people that had done what I want to do, I'm like, you know what? Um, I'm all in, I'm just going to completely step out on faith that this is going to work out. And that's how we started this, you know, this company that we have now we're, you know, two and a half years into it. And I'm at a place now with what we're doing, who we get to work with, the size and scale and scope of things that I never dreamed of two and a half years ago. And so I love that you shared that because I think, you know, if we focus on just some of the basics of getting clear about who we are, what we want to do, and then we go find some other people um, who've done it. And, and ask them to help you. You'd be, I, you know, I'm sure you found this too. You talked about Marshall Goldsmith, right? He's a, a legend in the coaching world, and you said he's a mentor of yours. And it's not like everybody can call up Marshall and say, "Hey, can you, you know, can you 
coach me, you know, mentor me. Uh, but you know what? There's other people we can reach out to and have in our life. And so I think if we really work on ourselves, I think that is the key. Um, becoming the best you, cleaning up a lot of the, the, the mental stuff in our brain, um, really understanding how we're showing up as a leader, who we're being. And as we really understand that, how that affects others and how we, like you said, it's about starting to listen to the notes and listen to the music because that is the emotional piece that really creates that connection, that creates these deep relationships, these trusting relationships, where then you as a leader are helping others. You help get them in alignment with what your vision is, but you're also showing them how what we're doing together moves them forward in their own life, what's important to them, which is in alignment of their values, you know, the impact that they want to have in your life. And when you can start putting those pieces together, um, you it, I can't say you're unstoppable, but I got to tell you, it really reduces the barriers to success in a very significant way. I, it was every sentence that you said was so meaningful and so valuable. I, I, I was just amazed at how I just kept saying to myself with each sentence of the past few things that you said, I was like, I wish I had heard him say these things years ago. It could have saved me so much time and trouble. And I thought you must have been, I, I mean, I know I've, I've seen your, your, your history and I know you've been through a lot and you know, you have to, I mean, you have to go through experiences to, to learn these things. It is very meaningful what you just said. I oh, think, thank you. I want to pick out, I want to pick out one of the things you said. Uh, it, it may have sounded like a, a minor thing, but for people who are just getting started, you said you don't have to be completely dialed in just yet. Yeah, because a lot of people think that there's this hurdle of like I have to know my purpose, I have to know everything before I start doing anything, and it, in my experience, you have to iterate. And if you wait for everything, you might wait a long time. But if you just get started with the slightest hint of the direction you want to go in, I find that the best way to find out what you really want is to go for what you're aware of now. If it turns out to be the big thing, great. Maybe for the rest of your life, that's going to be your thing. If it's not, the best way to find out what is your thing is to try whatever you have access to now. And if it turns out to be something that isn't really going to be a lifelong passion of yours, it will be the fastest, most efficient way to get to find out what that passion is. Couldn't agree more. And don't be afraid. You know, I, I see a lot of people that don't want to start because they're like, I, well, what if I go down this path and realize it's the wrong path? Well, unless you go down the path, then you don't know if it's the right path or not. And I'll guarantee you going down that path, you're going to learn something that's going to help you out on the next path. And, you know, our motto around here is action begets clarity. And I used to have that backwards. And I got to tell you, there's so many times in my life I could, if we had another couple hours to tell you how that actually slowed me down from getting where I want to go. And, but you know what, just, you know, one of the things I, I try to figure out is just what's that next small step forward, right? Just in, you know, in the New Testament, uh, it just talks about your light is a lamp unto my feet. And I got to, and I, and I just picture, I have a picture here on my, my desk. It's a small boy walking through the scary looking woods and he's got this lamp and you only can see two or three feet around him and all the rest is, is dark. And so my mm-hmm. goal every day, Josh, is just to, what is that one small step forward? Not this huge leap, not this you know, I got to, you know, double the size of my company or, you know, these huge goals, which are good to have, 
But what is just that one small step that moves me toward that or that I think might move me toward that? And you know what? And I might take a whole bunch of small steps and realize I'm on the wrong path. I got to backtrack here a little bit. But there was something that happened there that that was beneficial, that was valuable. And so I, I think if people just move forward in increments, work on themselves, find other people that have done what they want to do and get to know them, you know, read what they've written, listen to their podcasts, their blogs. There's so much information, knowledge out there, but it's about taking that knowledge and turning it into action. I think that's really what differentiates the people who we hold up as great leaders from the people who are just living a life of mediocrity. If you don't mind my, I just talking about what steps can people take? What are the small steps that people yes, can take? Love that. And if you, if you don't, if you don't mind my plugging my book, Yes, please. It was funny. I was going to say this, and you brought up a book that I'm like, I can't compare with that book. <laughs> but on 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 on, a, on another scale, uh, my book is designed to give people small steps that are designed to fit one to the next. And if you want to take steps and you're not really sure what steps to take, this book is a, it's a set of 20 exercises that start from very simple, and then you it will lead you to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, and by the end of it. Without making any big jumps, you're suddenly you're leading people in ways that making them, you know, you're making them feel comfortable sharing their vulnerabilities and connecting their passions to the to the work that has to be done, which which imbues that with meaning and your relationships with empathy and purpose, and that's what it's designed for. Is because as a physicist, I just didn't have access to these things, and I, I made something that gave someone like me access, someone who didn't really know what self-awareness meant, someone who really didn't know what what vulnerability meant, what emotions were. It was tiny steps that would lead you or would lead someone like me to that. Well, and, you know, everybody listening, you know, this is, uh, this would be so equipping. You know what? You're going to, we're, we're going into the new year. This is the time to really focus on these things. And, and, you know, at your, your website, Spodek Academy, it's S P O D E K Spodek Academy.com. You have some courses on there, leadership, step-by-step entrepreneurship, step-by-step. There's an information on your book there. And also you have a blog. It's um, Joshua Spodek.com. And I really encourage people to plug into those. And, you know, this is something I haven't done, so I'm going to do this, and then I'll blog about it. But I'm going to go through the, your, your exercises in your book, Joshua, and I would just love to stay in touch. I'm really appreciative that you and I were able to have this conversation. And uh, um, is there if there's anything that I can do to be useful or our, our podcast audience, uh, you know, please let me know, my friend. Well, I look forward to hearing how the exercises go. The... Uh... Um, the online version has a, an, an online form where people can post their reflections. And once you post your reflections, then you can see everybody else's reflections, whoever, everyone else has ever done that exercise, and you can learn from each other. And that's a really effective way to, I mean, it becomes a community experience. And if you really want to get some, I mean, if you want to, if you have, for someone who has discipline and, and, and drive and can do it all themselves, the book has everything you need. If you want to have that com- com- community ex- uh, experience, then the online version has that form, which is a big extra piece. And uh, if you are interested and want to share your experiences, um, well, you and I know each other, so you can email me. But that's—I'd be happy to comment on these things because there's, there's like uh, I can have like 
I can give you the experience of having seen many people go through. I do these exercises all the time myself still. Yep. You got to keep doing them. Well, Josh, so I'd like to be a resource for you. Yeah. Yes. Love that. And, um, I appreciate your time today and, uh, um, man, keep up the great work. We need, we just need more people like yourself out there equipping people and moving people forward because, um, I really feel like right now there's an unprecedented opportunity in this world. I just really feel like God is moving in a big way and the, the biggest opportunities exist, um, for us to, you know, to change cultures, communities, nations, um, exist in business. So, you know, leaders that are called into business, because not only do we have the ability to influence and touch the most amount of people, it's the only place where capital is generated because we also need capital to put into some of these other, you know, nonprofits and causes and things that are, you know, fuel our passions near and dear to our heart. And what the world doesn't need is another broke philanthropist. So we all need to go out there, be the best we can be, do great in business, because then we can, you know, we have the time, we have the resources, we have the money, um, we have the relationships to really start, you know, making some difference in lives outside of our own. Well, I want to thank you very much for this conversation. It was it was really a wonderful, uh, from my side, it was, I, I really enjoyed the questions, the directions you took it in. And I talked about how my life changed when I realized what how business could connect me with people and, and with myself. And conversations like this is why I went in this direction. And I, I, I thank you for that. Well, my pleasure. And I thank you because I, like we talked about in the beginning, I love meaningful conversations. Um, I'm not a big, let's talk about the weather guy. So, well, my <laughs> friend, I sure appreciate it. I do too. Uh, more than I can say. I, that's all I can say. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. By the way, if you're a regular listener to Eternal Leadership, could you give John and I a hand? Could you give us a rating and review on iTunes? It's how most people listen to podcasts and ratings and reviews help bump us up those charts. The higher we are, the more people that will stumble onto us. If you don't listen through iTunes, rate and review us on whatever platform you listen, or just share it with someone that you think could really benefit from our topics and guests. Thanks. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>